0: Welcome, everybody to the Oracle of Pythia. We're so glad to be back after a few months' break. Um, as you can see, we've got two lovely new Pythia with us and two who aren't here with us just for to just well for this one and uh, for various reasons, which we don't need to go into right now. so we're going to do a lovely little introduction, and then we will share the history with you and our sacred weave and follow with a discussion. So we're going to begin with Sarita introducing herself.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Sarita and I merge quantum meditations with embodied shamanic work. Thank you for being here. Hi,
2: I'm Sarah and I'm a therapeutic uh, embodiment coach working specifically with women enabling them to lead a fully embodied and authentic life and i'm very grateful to be here on my first one thank you hello my name's linnea i'm in
3: canada northern canada i'm a woman's herbalist and a historian and i'm very glad to be here thank you
0: hi i'm emma I am a shamanic healer and teacher specialising in women's womb-based shamanism and sexual energy practices. My background is in education, psychology and counselling. So welcome everyone and welcome to all of you too, as you join us for this time together. We've all trained in sacred Pythia work. And we've all undergone specific shamanic practices this evening to be able to bring you this weave, which we're going to discuss afterwards. But first of all, we're gonna begin with Sarita reading you some of the history of this work so that you have a foundation and an understanding of where it comes from and um, yeah, the kind of beauty and the bounty of that. Okay, Sarita.
1: Thanks so So in ancient Greece, Pythia is the high priestess and Oracle of Delphi, residing in the temple of Apollo with the sacred stone, the Omphallus. Covered in a protective weave and hollow inside, the Omphallus stands as the center of power, a womb haven for healing, replenishment and revelation. It is also the mystical dwelling place of Python herself and the sacred cave into which Pythia descends in order to commune with the great serpent. Pre-patriarchy, Pythia is the interface between humankind and spirit. Mistress of the liminal space, Pythia honors earth and spirit alike. And as a potent governing force, she stands on the fissure of betwixt and between bringing to light prophecies and wisdoms from the depths of the pythonic
0: realms. Thanks Rita. Okay so this month's question is how do we navigate change? And we've all done our individual practices with spirit, shamanic practices, and then this month um, they were all given to me and I took these to the python and she has come up with this sacred weave which I'm going to read to you now. So now is the time, if you really want to absorb this into all your cells, where just Sit or lie down and relax, and imagine that you could really open up all of your pores and simply receive this sacred weave into your body. So that's what we encourage you to do now just to relax, to make yourself comfortable, whether that's sitting or lying, and just close your eyes and receive these sacred words in answer to the question How do we navigate change? Nothing is coming, for change is nothing, no thing, just as it is everything, a paradox. Navigating change, there is nothing to navigate, for all is in perpetual flow. So navigating change is learning to navigate yourself. In navigating the stars within, the source within, which in itself is the source of all things, you find the universe in perpetual motion. Therefore, change is no word for universal measures. The snake beckons along with the tiger's tooth. Which roar do you hear from your heart? from your womb, from every organ in your body? Is it the soaring, the roaring of fear that draws you closer? Or is it the roar of new worlds, birthing and manifesting from all you are creating? The tiger purrs just as it bears its teeth and the snake bites just as it slithers behind the rock. Resistance defeats the light, let go, let go, let go. Soften, deepen into your own expansion that you may travel with the ebb and flow of tides. Dancing upon the waters of unknown into the darkness ever deeper. Following the call of the serpent as she sheds her skin. She is becoming. She is neither become nor became. Pause. Pause and open your heart of love. Place your feet on solid ground and let the light flow into every cell of your body. Releasing resistance from all cells, from your heart, from your mind, from your fingertips. Let the resistance fall like rain upon the earth. She will transmute and rebirth. And she asks that you do the same. Born of cosmos and earth. Navigating change is an illusion. There is no change and there is constant change. Imagination and desire fuel and fodder, fuel and fodder, deliciously denoting the ends of time and the beginnings. Threads woven into the fabric of all that is, so that you may play and dance and delight. The void is calling you into darkness. This is the path the light seeks, so it may be seen for all that it is. Remember that which you have forgotten, that you are all things and all things are you. That source within you is the source of all that is and the energy of love and light within you cannot be diminished. Navigate this within yourself that you may be seen without. Dive deep, dive deep into unknown realms. Feel freedom on your skin and let the breeze wash through you as you dance and hum. Fear is your illusion that strengthens your resistance to your perceived idea of change. Who made up this script? Who wrote this mindless drivel? not us and not you, so tear up the ties and the binds that keep you gagged and restrained. They are no longer useful to you, though once you may think they were. There is nothing in the lie of the binding that will enable you to seek out and navigate the light. So put down the sword and the spade. There is nothing to kill and bury here. Simply release the illusions of unknown. Fraudulent fears capitalizing on your pain and pressure that you put upon yourselves. Come back to your body. All within you, trust and truth, the lyrical artist, the song of life. Navigate your within so that you may sing without. There is no change. There is constant change. What was, will be, and is now. Your power is magnificent. Your desire strong and hopeful. Come into the light with all that you are. The path of darkness will not fail you. The truth is you and all that you are because there is no other. So you shine and so it is you shine. And from this vantage point, You may birth all that you seek and desire, in love, in light, in grace, in beauty, and in bountiful abundance. For navigating change will serve you nothing, while flowing into presence will bring you everything. So it is, and so may it be. So, time for reflections.
1: Sarita? Um, yeah, that was just, (laughs) I could feel planets moving in my cells as you were speaking. It was really having quite an extraordinary effect on me that weave i mean it was just yeah i i literally began to sort of see that i was holding the whole of the cosmos within me um and and this is you know this is what i teach but i was getting a real felt sense of it i think from the weave and i'm wondering if that's you know i'm not wondering i know that's what we need to get into it's like this felt sense of who we are instead of trying to navigate and um, you know like build and do and have practices around how we're supposed to be and you know what that weave was 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 saying once again which which I know and which I teach but I think it's almost like we've been going at it in a kind of reverse way so the teaching is you know, it's very simple. You can't create something new if, if, if it's ever been there before. So you can't create from the narrative, basically. So we've all got to be willing to drop literally everything we've ever known, every word, thought, deed, everything, in order to come into true presence and, and feel this kind of cosmos within us. But I just, what the weave was doing to me, it was making me feel like, I know we all work on embodiment and and having felt sense and everything, but it made me feel like I've been coming at it kind of the wrong way around. And I don't know what the right way around is, because if I knew what it was, I wouldn't be doing it. I'd still be running on the old narrative. And, and also, as you were speaking, and um, I was once again getting this felt sense that we're in... You know, in terms of like what's going on in the world right now, there's such chaos going on there's so many ideas and so many narratives, and it's coming thick and fast and it's almost so confusing if you go out there for your answers and I think that's why it's so confusing because I believe it's there so that we have no choice but to go within it, there's just no choice now because you you can't make sense of anything you you can't navigate sense because this is not a sense it's not a sense-making exercise, it's a sensory-making exercise. So I was getting, again, another sense that the chaos and and everything that's coming up is causing us to go deeply, deeply within. and, And we know that we're creators. And once we can get to that that sensory experience where we can feel sort of planets exploding in our very cells. Now we're beginning to sort of create something. So that's the feeling I got. I suddenly got a huge feeling of my, my power of what I actually am. That that was what was coming at me through the pores of my skin. And then, and then what I do with that, I don't know, but I think it means I've got to let go of everything that I thought I knew what I was doing with it. (laughs) yet again so yeah that's what I wanted to say at this point thank you Emma (laughs) thank
0: you Sarah
2: um that's a really interesting reflection because I was very present to the nuances of change that this is inviting and it really felt like really deep medicine actually I could feel it filtering through is an invitation from Python to you know really allow those skins and those scales to shed and there's this real I really agree with the um, um, the time right now and the chaos of it's time for us to find our truth with the capital T and rather than you know a a smaller t and in that the nuances of change that have to happen in order to have the big change and that's something that I personally have really struggled with the nuances and that's what this is really inviting for me with the paradox and yeah all the um all the different elements of it and I'm really with it mixing in my system in a way that's like okay yeah I can go with this I can go with this but really how do we ground how do we really land with it how do we really navigate it and um yeah I think that that's a a beautiful invitation right now
0: thank you Linnea
3: Oh, thank you, thank you both for these reflections. They're so enlightening. For me, when I was listening to The Weave, I, I want to echo both Sarah and Sarita. It was very profound and it brought me right into my womb. And um, it also brought my attention to the present moment repeatedly, although it calls for, the The Weave called for attention to the present. I found my attention coming to the present again and again and noticing the micro differences between each present moment and becoming aware of how closely death is riding on my shoulder and not necessarily me personally, but how thin that veil is between death and life. And that, that that's a good thing, that we're awake to that proximity, that we're, that we're alert to the dying of all these little things and, and that that happened and will not happen and is not happening. now that's happening and it's not happening. And, and that the, the way that, that we pay attention to that is to be in the present moment and that that's reality, that, that constant life, dying, rebirth, that cycle, that's reality. And so it's it's part of our attention, our gift to give our attention to that cycle. And that, of course, that's what's happening outside in nature. And so maybe that's why we're constantly called to be in nature and pay attention to nature. But also the stability through that. Like, like even though everything is dying every moment, I'm still here. And what does that mean you know, in the greater context, like when my body dies, I'll still be here, I think. So it's, it, 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 it carried me, the weave carried me into both the micro and the macro, and it was just a great gift. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah, so I, I, I do remember getting this when we got the, when the topic came or the question came, Thinking, oh, this is really exciting. We're going to have like tools to navigate our way through. It's so funny how you know, as you know, the human brain just kicks in or the ego kicks in with this stuff, and um, yeah. So then, you know, doing the weave when the the words came through, I was like, right, this is, you know, this isn't quite well, you know, this isn't my toolkit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think the thread of it through, for me, is just this real potency of, yeah, of letting go of everything that we think we know and everything that um, keeps us somehow structured and those boundaries or those structures that we think are in place but are actually an illusion and that but somehow we create narratives around it to make us feel safe and secure and actually it's just it's just an illusion and and what came through is that real paradox of the stillness but in the stillness is the constant motion and the constant death and rebirth and the constant ebb and flow and the fact that that paradox of change is constant but there is no change it's so there is and there isn't and I, I I think on a very deep level in our psyche as humans we we find that very difficult to hold I, th- I think that the unknown has become so scary that that it's it feels, it feels like a death to step into it. I, I mean, in general, as this, you know, this is a general um, uh, thing, yeah, that I'm I'm thinking through out loud. So, yeah, that 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 stepping into that unknown is is so is so scary, and. Our society, that we've, the structures we've created in that, support that and support the fear and f- constantly feed the fear. And so the idea that anything could change is so terrifying that we'll do anything to hold on to the old structures and the old ways. And of course, what we're seeing in the world is that now all that's being challenged, things are falling away. And so fear is rising, control is becoming tighter. And this weave... Like like you've all said, it has yeah, brought me back to that stillness inside where, in fact, change is constant, but also very still and present, ever-present. And there's something very beautiful in that and, and that the answer will be found, as you said, Sarita, within. That's what I think I share that in that I think we're all being called to come back home to ourselves and find the truth within us and and therefore our own strength and power and our own like tales, the tales of truth within us, the stories within us that are true for us, that we can embody and experience. And so we know to be true because they are who we are. They make us who we are rather than the external narrat- narrative coming and tell us we should be doing X, Y, Z. This is how you keep safe. This is what you sh- you know, all of that because that is an illusion. The truth is within and that comes through the flow, the ebb and flow and the stillness and the constant moving. Yeah, that's fine. Linnea.
3: Um, I thought when I put my hand up was really the, the fetish that our culture has made of security. You know, it's a fetish. It's like you can do anything in the name of national security. It's kind of an interesting. But yeah, and also the fear of control. And it's like, well, who controls me? I control me, you know? So it's, it, uh, yeah, it, that was all, that was all. But then you went on, <laughs> so.
2: Thank you, Sarah. Uh, when you mention about security, I mean, that is what keeps us tethered, isn't it? and not wanting change because we want that safety to be cast out, you know, we will, we will die. We become the outcast. We become the, the one that is the, um, not the black sheep. I don't call them anymore. I call them rare breeds actually, rare breeds amongst us. Um, (laughs) um, But it is, it's that real, um, how do we learn to walk on that edge? And this is our training. And, and obviously probably what we all do in our work, in that, in that place, in that navigation of that edge of change all the time and have that presence because that's life, isn't it? That's how we become alive. That gives us our vitality and our ability to navigate without falling into that fear and that fear of ostracization and everything. So this is a really beautiful invitation to remember, ah, there is no change. There is always constant change Mm. and in that is our power. I just, yeah, really.
0: Thank you, Sarita.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you're talking, Sarah, I've always, um, or of late, you know, I've, I've got used to this sensation of being slightly uncomfortable all of the time. And it took, it took, it was a hell of a journey to get to this precipice, basically. And for a while, you know, it took a lot of shamanic work and a lot of looking at myself and all that kind of stuff. And for a while, I would, I was sat on this precipice, having done a lot of internal work going, well, I'm just going to step off the edge. And, and here I am quite a few years later, and I'm only just now realizing it's the edge you're supposed to be on. (laughs) There's no like, so, um, and, and this, and, and I have, I don't know if I think we've might have mentioned this before in another, um, y- you know, another meeting that we had, but basically fear is very close to excitement. They're really similar sensations. And so, I mean, this, I think the thing is, for me, it's, it's like staying on the precipice of the unknown and feeling those sensations and allowing them to be what they are um, that discomfort doesn't isn't necessarily like a bad thing. And we all know, you know, you, it's what, it's how you're attached to things that make them what they are, you know, pain. If you're attached to pain, you know, have, oh, I've got ideas that pain is, is, is horrible. So you don't want to feel it. You know what I mean? We have all these kind of weird attachments to things. And, and I, what I've been seeing of late is in the in the, I don't know what you'd call it, the truth movement or the light movement, light workers movement or starseeds or whatever you want to call it. Um, to me, a lot of this stuff is going a bit wonky in there as well. So... Not that, it, that you know it has there 's always been you know wonkiness and misteachings and all of that kind of stuff that 's always been going on, but I feel like it 's all getting really wonky now because um, you know we 're back to this you can 't find what you 're seeking for outside yourself, and I think a lot of people in the light you know, truth movement whatever um, and this is certainly true of me in, in which i 'm beginning to let go of is we grasp at the tools right that you were talking about earlier. And if we just meditate for this many hours a day, we're going to be fine. (laughs) And someone else goes, no, no, we're we're going to manifest like this and it's going to be good. And then the other one's like, no, 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 we're going to do this. and it's So that to me, that's all getting a bit wonky and falling apart. And one of the reasons why I really dived into the Pythia training and why I love the training that we went through at the Sacred Trust was that it was in many ways, you know, the, the, the resounding phrase is it's your fruit to pick you take from this what you will and you run with it and of course there was some methodologies that we learned but on the whole the emphasis was on it's your your creativity it's it's your creation you run with it and you change it if you want and you become new with it and you do whatever you will with it and i and i always love that so much and i think that's so important now as as i can see this sort of wonkiness coming in um because obviously we can see the wonkiness and the inversion in the matrix quite easily if you're in the light truth movement. But can we see the wonkiness and the inversions in that movement too? And then step through all of that into something entirely different altogether. And I think that's where we're sort of at now. It's like we've jumped the main matrix. Now we're in the fine, you know, as you were talking about, Sarah, that you know, the the... The, the details of the stuff that we haven't looked at before that we thought was pushing us outside of the matrix, but is actually keeping us clung to it. That's, that's keeping us in bondage to it. And then what are we going to do with that? So I just wanted to talk about that because I can see that the sort of light truth movement is going really wonky. And another thing I wanted to say was, um, so yes yeah, so that's in, the other thing I want to say is in relation of letting go, because what I found is, When I can let go of things, truly let go of them, um, I I make this space, and it's it's sometimes it's space inside me, sometimes it's space on my skin, sometimes it's space in my life or whatever. And then you make this this space, and space isn't linear, so it has none of that kind of um, narrative attachment in it. So I think truly, I think, I think the spiritual path is to truly let go of everything and just hang on this tight road of the precipice and, and just be there. <laughs> that's what it feels like to me at this point. might change.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Thanks, Linnea. Uh,
3: so many ideas. Okay, one idea go. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you, uh, I was thinking about what you said about, you know, we're, 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 we're being asked to shed the greater collective delusion and then shed, you know, even the new age uh, light movers, whatever you want to call it, kind of self delusions and what carries us through that. And it, it came to me that what's carried me this far are my principles, <laughs> you know, like my, my devotion to honesty, you know, to respect, to compassion and to 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 care and trust and all these good things like those are the things that carry me through step by step by step especially the one about honesty and truth you know it's like i'll tell myself the truth no matter what even if it's ugly and i'll probably tell you the truth <laughs> you know but definitely tell myself the truth and it's it's kind of like that's what carries me through all my fears when they come up because i i do like it like as you said it's like the electric energy of fear is it's kind of addictive (laughs) it's like you know pushing into it again and again it's like oh i like it (laughs) and um but that's what carries me through is to remember my principles so then a question becomes which i I'm, i'm interested in it's it's like okay well maybe you know, as you were saying, it's like being attached to the tools. Maybe I like these principles for myself, but I don't think I would ever tell you to, you know, pull up your shoes and be more compassionate or whatever. It's like, that's your fruit to pick. For me, that's respect. And so it's like, how do we... Is it, is it that clinging to my principle that I think you should do? Is that what creates the delusion and the miasma? Because A, how do I know what you should do? And B, if you accept it, why don't you know what to do yourself? Anyway,
0: done, um, yeah. Following on from that, I think what's happened is lots, most people perhaps don't know what to do anymore. And that's, part, that's partly the problem. So they've lost, for many, many reasons, obviously we've got massive patriarchy, but there's also all the different structures like religious um, organisations, all of that kind of, all the structures that have gone up, which the, obviously the medical structure, there's, there's so many institutions, which in, for, in varying degrees were service of some level, Let's say in the most. Let's give. Let's give the benefit of the doubt. I think. I think we should. Yeah. Anyone to give us the benefit of the doubt? We have to give it to them. I think we do. (laughs) So. So. So basically, what's happened is all everyone's power has just been handed over there's no, and that, that in a nutshell, that's what's happened. And so gradually over time, that's become more and more as the controlling structures have got stronger. And, and so people don't have lost their way in that sense, and maybe don't even know what their true authentic principles or ethos or, um, morality or whatever their guiding principles are within themselves. I think for many people, they have lost them, or they can't find them, or they don't know how to access them anymore. Um, I remember years ago going, I can't remember why now, but I was seeing a um, some medical professional, and who, she said to me, well, the thing is, Emma, you know your body so well, so it's almost like you're telling us what's wrong, because you know your body really well. And I thought, well, isn't that what, isn't that normal? And... Anyway, and you know she said she said no it isn't <laughs> so um and of course of course, it isn't, but for me it for me it was and is so yeah that I think that's why, and I think so people are looking for leadership, and unfortunately, all of our leadership in my view it's only my personal view, everybody out there is all corrupt. I think the whole lot is totally corrupt again, that's just my opinion, so then people become Um, disillusioned and delusioned about what um, what's real, what isn't, what's true, what isn't. And, and, and therefore they find it very hard to navigate life without that direction from that kind of um, hierarchical structure. And, and that, that whole idea of fear being addictive, which of course it is, it's really addictive. And I love Mm -hmm. that line in the weave where it says which roar do you hear from your heart from every organ in your body is it the roaring of fear that draws you closer or the roar of new worlds birthing and manifesting from all you're creating and i think that's really what we're being called back to because fear and excitement physiologically are exactly the same it's exactly the same it's just what's going on here what your nervous system's telling your brain and those neural connections so yeah, if we can come back to birthing those worlds that you're talking about earlier, Sarita. Wow, we've got the power to manifest anything we want, but from that deep, true place, not not the gurus telling us. Yeah, yeah, that's that's me for now. Um, Sarah, you're muted. You're muted.
2: Linnea, I think you put your hand up just before me. Did
3: you want to? Yeah. I just I was responding to Emma's um, comment about how everyone's given away their leadership. And it's like, I don't know you, but I haven't worked nine to five in decades. And um, I think that gives a heck of a lot of energy to question that people who are busy, hard scrabbling for, for a living don't have. And so I was really pleased to learn that so many people are resigning from their crappy little jobs and taking the time to figure out something better for themselves. So that's all. Over to you,
2: Sarah. Thanks. Um, yeah, there's there's a few things in what you said, Emma, and something I was actually writing about this morning. I was in my morning practice was. Um, in order to navigate change and to make those shifts with leadership and shifting all of those paradigms that we live in, in those beliefs of uh, family systems, patriarchal, whatever, it means that we have to take responsibility. And actually, that is the thing that the majority of people go, I ain't going there. 'Cause there's always then someone I can blame, there's always, you know, I can blame my family system, I can do this, this and this or my job or and it's actually when we really go down to the bones and the heart of it, we have to take responsibility. And that in itself is a change. And that is really scary. And yet it's so empowering at the same time. I, I, I you said about the, the the fear you know and excitement and I'm like oh yeah but fear just kind of locks me in this thing and I'm like this typical tourist in the ground you know and um and yeah it's that something underneath that's being invited but it's it's so much about wanting that that truth of self and that responsibility and that I think is that edge and that and that precipice that is being really called right now. How do we stand up in that?
0: Thank you, Sarita.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you were talking, Sarah, I was just reminded that um, in England, something like 76% of schools have now been served with personal liability notices. If they're vaccinating on their pre- the children on their premises actually I shouldn't have said that word I'll have to beep it out or they'll take the thing down I'll edit it out um, and so that's really interesting because what's happened there is a lot of the headmasters who were were you know just allowing whatever because someone else was taking responsibility for it you know the government who actually weren't and of course the pharmaceuticals are not taking responsibility no one's got liable to so basically parents or whatever, I don't know, parents and lawyers all over the country serve these liability notices to the headmasters and the people who are putting the things in the arms. And they said, you will be personally liable. You have to now accept personal responsibility, which means you could use, lose your personal, all of your money, your house, and you could do jail time, basically. And suddenly they've all got, it's like responsibility has come crashing down. Now you would have thought, someone who's a headmaster would have responsibility but clearly what's been running the show well, this is what we've seen for the last two years as people they've been closing their schools and masking they're abusing their own children and all this with masks and stuff is headmasters don't have responsibility so now we're back to this sort of just using this as one example but obviously it's prevalent everywhere and we're back to this idea that we've given our power to things that essentially corrupted and then if you're if you're, if you're abdicating your soul, your spirit to something outside of you that's corrupted, that is going to corrupt your soul and your spirit. And, and, and I just think it's extraordinary because what I see happening is this kind of people taking personal responsibility. Now it's just the most extraordinary movement and it's taking time because it's not something that you can make someone else do in a way you okay you can serve a liability notice but someone has to stand up and suddenly go wait a minute I'm responsible and you're seeing bit by bit you know just normal you know mums handing liability notices they're taking responsibility or you know people saying no and it's like this it's 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 a it seems like a slow movement but it's very significant because once people stand up and take responsibility once they're navigating by their guiding principles, which you'll talk about earlier. And think what the word principle means. It means you're the principality. So you're the king and queen of your own kingdom, basically. You're the god of your own universe. Once someone stands up to that kind of guiding principle and that responsibility, you never go back. You never go back. It, so it's, it feels a very slow movement, but actually it's so it's just so fundamental what is going on because you're seeing once somebody wakes up to who they are, or at least the direction that they they desire to be now going in, you know, their truth with a capital T, they can't they they cannot undo that. You just can't go backwards from it. And I, that's what I think is just extraordinary in what's happening now. Relevant to what Lennea and Sarah said.
0: Linair.
3: Wow, Sarita, I think your insight about everyone needing to take and taking, actively taking responsibility, seizing responsibility these days is really noteworthy. It's important that we all take responsibility for ourselves. It's central to having any any capacity to respond, right? So In fact, yeah, I would just sort of add to that because I would say if you're...
1: How can, because I believe that we manifest instantaneously, but there's this kind of weird time lag going on in this planet because a lot of the stuff that we're manifesting is unconscious. So maybe what this is doing is it's bringing, well, it is certainly doing that. It's bringing all the darkness up so that we can consciously create but if you're not going to be responsible you shouldn't got co- you shouldn't be creating consciously because we see what happens when people aren't responsible you know it can cause devastation and you know endless pain and suffering not i guess you know we have attachment to that or whatever but if we can all take responsibility i think that we'll start manifesting consciously an extraordinarily beautiful reality together. Because just think about um, the threads of truth. Because I believe that as we, if you like, ascend in our awareness, as our awareness expands and we really begin to understand who we are, we will need to speak less. We'll use more telepathy, for example. Now, how can we all become telepathic if we're all lying all the time? you would you just wouldn't be able to do just stuff like that right so it's like you know Linnea, when you're talking about you come back to your guiding principles and you tell yourself the truth no matter what even if it's ugly or it hurts or whatever once we all start doing that we're going to expand in our consciousness into things like telepathy just as normal mode of a conversation in a really huge way so in order to expand any of those kind of If you like trajectories of our creative consciousness, we have to be running from our guiding principles because otherwise we'll create chaos. And also we just can't, we can't expand, you know, there was something in the weave about how we need the darkness, the light needs the darkness to show who it is. And that's just beautiful. We've just got to see, we've we've got to see everything that we're holding within, even if it's uncomfortable and a bit ugly, if it's truth.
0: Yeah, that line is, um, the void is calling you into darkness. This is the path the light seeks, so that it may be seen for all that it is. That's so beautiful, isn't it? It's just like, wow. And to really kind of behold that Mm -hmm. in its essence, in the deepest darkness, you know, it's like striking a match, however tiny that light is it's going to light it up to show you the way or to reveal what needs to be revealed or, and, and a lot of our work and training is about being in the darkness because that's where we find the jewels and the gems and the revelations and, and the guiding light. And yeah. And and in a way, maybe for me, that's largely the answer in a nutshell about how to navigate change because when we're in that space of things changing, and I speak as somebody who, on a kind of three D level, finds change really challenging. Um, one, I'm a fixed sign anyway, so that doesn't help. But <laughs> two, my past experiences, um, yeah, they, change can be very traumatic, or at least you know that that's the kind of healing process that I deal with every time a big change comes. Um, and and so so that light if, because yeah when we so when we're in the middle of change we are in the middle of the unknown we're on that precipice we don't know if we're going to fall off if we're going to have a different path if we're going to stay on it we don't know what's going to happen we're in that unknown so then those fear um kind of radars are on heightened alert going da, 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 da. and if we can really find our presence in that, which is the stillness, we become aware of the, the movement and the constant flow. And I think, for me, that's where I find the clues to the navigation of it. You know, this is my own personal experience of it. I'm actually really good in a crisis, and if, and in changing crisis, I'm. I'm I'm the person that you want around. I'm the person that stays massively calm in the middle of a crisis and that can see everything really clearly and get everything done super quickly and efficiently. But when I'm faced with a prospect of change, it's funny. So it's like in the middle of an immediate crisis, I'm brilliant, but faced with, you know, like, for example, extension work, which we're going to have done on the house, my nervous system is going... I ten to the dozen in like, I have to get out. When can I get out of the house quick enough because I can't face any of that going on. Ugh. So, but actually this, the weave has given me a real gift around that because it's about just softening into that unknown space and that actually knowing that there's constant flow and it will pass. And that flow is a bit like a river for me. It gives me that tool of the tool. It, it shows me, the route or the navigation it is, a, it is a bit like a tool actually that real I think I'll, I'm going to do some work with that you know outside of this space mm. I don't know if that was a waffle or if it made sense but it helped me <laughs> Sarah
2: I kind of lost my thread of it then but I really related to what you were saying about crisis and I'm like, yeah, but then in that planned change, because can we plan change? And that's the thing, isn't It's that's when our control stuff comes up and we're like, I need to know the outcome and I need to know this and that. And and of course that isn't there. And so there's that, again, feeling very um, unsafe and insecure. And when we come into that place of the, I love that line as well about the tooth and the the heart. And I I think one thing at the beginning of this when I heard it really felt my heart soften and that invitation within this because within this whole conversation, what I'm getting is this, once I'm in my heart and in my womb, anything's possible. It doesn't seem so scary. It feels softer. It feels plausible possible feel I can sense the opportunity in the unknown. But when I engage my head to think about the structure of it, my 12 step programme or my six steps or whatever it is, I go, Oh, you know, (laughs) it completely shifts again. So yeah. Mm. (laughs) Hmm.
0: Just needed to share that. Sarita
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it it came up a lot in The Weave, didn't it, about the, it wasn't phrased as linear time, but it's like the past and the future and all of those kind of things. It's just totally unhelpful. It's all got to just, because what you're talking about is when you're in the present, you're completely fine. And the minute you're, you're perceiving a potential future, everything just falls apart for you. But that wasn't what I wanted to say. What I wanted to say was, as you were reading, and obviously you've done a lot of weaves, but... There was something about the quality of this weave. Um, and it might be because I'm working on a workshop at the moment, which I call the mother Wounds. <laughs> but basically um, there was a real tone of a maternal, of the mother, of Pythia. You know, the mother, the earth serpent, that whole energetic component being very loving very holding, very reasonable, very unjudgment, and like guiding a little bit. And, and and as you were talking, Sarah, I was thinking, how on earth did humans just get to this stage where we just don't ever feel safe? We're we such a traumatized species, that's for sure. And I know that we don't know our history, so we don't know how we got here, right? No one quite knows the history. We can try and we can tap in everything, but we don't quite know. Um, what you're like what's the yeah i know but we don't know the full history of humanity and I mean, we just don't know and we're super traumatized you know so and yet when we tap in to this amazing energetic that is offered to us the maternal energetic which is us we're earth you know and so that maternal energetic is reasonable it's empathic it's non-judgment it's holding us in all the change, and it is us. And, and, and as I said, we've done a lot of weaves, but I really got this sense of her, this maternal essence in this weave particularly. And it just felt like a really soft holding mummy, it's all gonna be fine, don't worry tone. I don't know. It was just, it was really beautiful. It was just so beautiful. It really, really touched me. Mm,
0: Sarah.
2: I really hear you on that. And I agree with that. And yet I sit there and I go, and how many of us hold that mother wound and reject that compassionate soft, you know, because of that patriarchal aspect of we've got to be in there. And we've got to be linear and we've got to, you know, pass. And, and, and there is, you a know, like to put down the sword there's nothing to kill, you know, and it is, it is. How do we soften back into that belly of the mother with, and again, for me, that's about taking responsibility of healing that wound within myself and that voice of the mother. Um, Cause it's so deep. It's so deep, isn't it? Um, and that, I just think of the, the whole dialogue around the, uh, environmental stuff that's going on right now and in all of the conversations I think up in Scotland you know we, we we disregard that we disregard ourselves and so how do we drop into this more how do we drop into this more always 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 um for that listening and that that honoring and that deep healing and respect for the mother and the father wound
0: yeah Yeah. I had um, when I that line um, that you just mentioned, which was came to my mind when you were speaking, Sarita. Um, so put down the sword and the spade. There's nothing to kill and bury here. That's just like such a relief. It's like we we can just let all that go, which is what we've been talking about a lot um, in this this weave. We can really put all that down now. And let go of this whole bloodshed of whatever it is, literal and um, within the mind, within the nervous system, metaphorical, all of that um, destruction, which has left us completely traumatized on every single level of our being, including obviously Mother Earth, who is obviously a direct mirror and reflection of our own trauma and the way that we treat women and our mothers and our grandmothers and is it well we, we treat that's how we're treating mother earth and so the, the idea of putting my sword down and my spade down and that that's over now i don't have to hold that toxic patriarchal masculine principle anymore i can let i can actually let that go i'm free to choose that i'm free to let it go and be held by the mother and actually really begin to weave into my body that beautiful masculine principle that holds as well, that creates safe structures for the feminine to flow within, for the feminine to blossom and create, because we do need those beautiful structures and we need them in love and safe holding that that beautiful masculine true principle brings in. And I love sinking into that. And so Yeah, so that came as like a real relief. And the image was just, when I heard that line, was just like laying it down as somehow a dug grave that is just going to be filled with blooming flowers and I can just lie on the ground, be held and receive and flow in that holding, which of course comes from that mother and also father. Yeah, it's really beautiful for me. Linnea. Um, when you mentioned putting
3: down the sword and, and, you know, letting go of conflict, I had a flash that it's, it's like, you know, other, like, my perception is that people take other people's choices and decisions as threatening for themselves. It's like you decide one thing and I feel threatened, although it has nothing to do with me, you know, and it's, it's kind of part of that responsibility is to recognize where my life ends, my limits. You know, it's like, well, this is who I am and this is how I'm living my life. And you go right on ahead and you live your life in a way that I think is really wrong. And that's your life. I'm not going to pick up a sword and hammer you with it. You know, I'm, I'm going to, at the very least, just turn my gaze away, just turn my attention away.
0: Um, yeah, that's all. I do, Um, okay, I'll say this and then Sarah, and then we're just coming we're drawing to a close. Um, yeah, I just wanted to do a quick reflection on that, Linaire, that that's a really beautiful way that if just the, that concept of, you can just turn your gaze that you don't have to take on other people's, um, swords or weapons or how in whatever shape or form they come that we can just simply turn our gaze away and come back for me we can take that breath and come back to the the truth of who we are sarah okay so we are Coming to the end now of this sacred weave and our reflections and discussion on it, um, we're going to go around now for our final, our final thoughts—one or two lines, just to um, complete. Sarita.
1: Um, yeah, I think I think what I've taken away from this weave and and all of the reflections is oh, you know, I can just let it all go. Put the, when you are talking about putting the sword the spade down, I was like, oh, thank goodness for that. And, but not just put it down, but just, just to turn in to that darkness. I, I love the dark and just, just soften and curl up in it and, um, and just and, and lay myself down in the middle of my own self was actually the feeling that I got. So... Thank you.
0: Thank you. Linnea, final thoughts?
3: Hmm. I'm still kind of with us all being little cells, (laughs) little tiny cells in a great big body. Um, And it's like my job as my little cell is not to attack that little cell or that little cell or let them attack me. It's just to do my thing (laughs) according to my own DNA, I guess. Yeah. Uh
0: Thank you. Sarah, final thoughts? Um,
2: So many filtering through, and yet the one that I am really sitting with is the softening and the relinquishing control and coming into trust for I have no knowledge of the outcome right now. And just to dive, yeah, dive deep into the darkness and be in my heart. So, thank you.
0: Thank you. Yeah, my final thoughts. Um, I'm taking away the... Um, that navigating change is something that's already within me. And I I don't actually need it to come from an external source that I'm... I am... I think there was something in the weave about "I am all things, and all things are we are all things, and all things are us." That's how. That's what I'm taking away. That I am source. I'm. I am all things, and that going into myself, I know already through the stillness and the flowing that paradox um, is is my navigation. It's already present change isn't and is and (laughs) that's where I'm at (laughs) okay so we're wrapping it up for this month and we wish you well in deep love and connection and we'll see you next time if anyone has got any questions that they'd like us to take to um the serpent herself then please contact either Sarita or myself and you'll find um our emails in the below the the description (laughs) in the description box below I think out of all I've only got that right once but one day almost perfect but it was all I'm (laughs) always there (laughs) we'll see you next time bye-bye